0: Just as the old Roman road comes in today's modern city of Jericho, there's a large old tree and a fence around it and a sign written by someone for whom it is evident that English is not their first language. And the quaint English is rather charming as it explains that this is the very tree into which Zacchaeus climbed to see Jesus. The very tree. I love it. But let's face it. The tree would have had to have been a pretty good size back in the beginning of the first century for old Zach to climb it. And sycamores just don't live that long. Not for 2,000 years. Even so, there's a part of me that would like for it to be true. I want it to be the very tree. I want it to be real. Which I suspect is part of what is going on with Zacchaeus that day only it's not the tree he wants to be real, it's Jesus. He wants Jesus to be real. He's heard about him, and the crowd is big enough that he has to climb the tree, the very tree, to see over their heads and check out what it is that's going on. You know what it's like. It's a great stir, and you're caught in the back. You, you crane your neck, you kind of jump up and down. And finally, you get up on something higher so you can look down and see over the crowd. Well, that's what Zacchaeus was doing that day. And you can hear the questions rattling around in his head. Who is this? Is it true what they say about you? How can I find out for myself? Well, when you were in Sunday school, did you learn the same little song I did? You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Lord came passing by, he looked up in that tree and he said, and then you had to shake your hand, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. (laughs) Well, it's what an odd choice that Jesus makes. You know, by rights, he should have chosen the mayor or the president of the synagogue or the rabbi. Why did he choose Zacchaeus, the tax collector? You can tell by their the response that the town folk don't think very much of that. I mean, the guy is filthy rich. And filthy really is the operative word. It's dirty money. He's the tax collector for Rome in a city that has a great deal of wealth. Mark Anthony had given Jericho to Cleopatra because the trade in date, palms, and balsam produced so much money. Because it's down on the banks of the Dead Sea, way below sea level, one of the lowest places on earth, the climate is wonderful in the winter. So Herod built a huge palace there. You still see some of the ruins, with gardens that were meant to rival the fabled hanging gardens of Babylon. I mean, being a tax collector in Jericho is no mean job. Our man, Zach, is rich. Which is why Jesus is going to his house today. Now, at this point, there are two ways to look at Zacchaeus. And it all depends on how you translate the Greek verbs. Scholars disagree. One is that Zacchaeus promises he will give away half of his money. He meets Jesus, he's converted, he gives away half his money. I mean, I've always thought about it that way. What about you? that the familiar story? I mean, my image has always been Zacchaeus who sort of turns into this Danny DeVito sleaze into Mother Teresa. (laughs) (laughs) It's a case of Jesus looking up in the tree, seeing the possibilities, and bringing out the best in this man. And Jesus does do that with folk, and so it makes all kinds of sense. However, there's another possibility. In the second case, the verb can be translated, I am already giving half my income. I'm already making fourfold reparation when it looks like folk have been cheated. That puts a very different slant on it, doesn't it? In this situation, we could imagine Jesus looking up on the tree and thinking, you know, folk haven't judged poor old Zacchaeus very well. I'm going to challenge them. I'm going to give him a chance to show people who he really is, and I'm going to challenge them not to judge by first impressions. And then I wonder if it's because Zacchaeus already gives and cares that he's able to be so welcoming to Jesus. He knows that Jesus is real. Think about it. The ability to let go of our money does change how we look at the world. You know, instead of hanging on to things, we open up and we can see and hear in a whole new way were a lot of folk then, yeah, and now, who were so busy hanging on to their money, their position, their point of view, their politics, that they missed the most freeing thing that was ever happening in the whole world. They missed seeing who Jesus is. And seeing Jesus, truly seeing Jesus, does mean change. And it's only when we're willing to let go to change, that the world begins to open up in front of us. Whichever way you choose to look at Zacchaeus, already giving or about to give, the fact is that he stands in very stark contrast to a man that you meet just in the earlier chapter in the book of Luke. Even if you haven't read the story lately, you probably remember, you know, the rich young man, the one who kept the commandments, who was highly respected in the community, the one who was all the things that this tax collector wasn't, but he couldn't give up his money. And that made Jesus very sad. There was no coming to your house today for a party. Like the present-day tree, that rich young man had a sign claiming he was real, and we'd all like for him to be real, but he wasn't. Because being real is hard. There's so many ways to hide, so many masks we can wear, so many screens we can hide behind. Any of you who have ever done any counseling know that part of the process is coming out of hiding and learning to face who we really and truly are. And there are times when that can be so painful we want to you know, run out the door and never come back. But if we're willing to stay with the process and live through the pain... There's all kinds of freedom and healing, and we just don't have to hide anymore. We become the person we are meant to be. And you know, we discovered that Jesus loves to come to our house to celebrate that. Second thing about Zacchaeus, however you read the verbs, is that he makes a public commitment about his giving. You know, Presbyterians hear very loudly that piece about don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. We don't want to show off or flaunt our money, and that's good. But, you know, we become so secretive. We don't want anybody to know. I mean, there are people who won't sign their pledge cards. Maybe at this point, you know, ministers have a skewed view of things. I mean, after all, you all know what we're paid. If you're an installed minister, you vote. And for people like me, you just look at the budget. You know what our salaries are, and there's no secrets about it. I mean, I'll bet you don't have your salary published for all the world to know, do you? But when it comes to giving, there's something about breaking that secrecy, about making a public commitment that means we have to be real. We can't pretend to be one thing, but do something else. And we become accountable for the promise that we make. Zacchaeus has told everybody what he's going to do. And you better believe that if he doesn't live up to it, he's going to hear about it. And so will everybody else in town. Making a pledge to the church is as close as we come to doing that. There are only a few folk who will know what it is, but they will know. And they do keep an account And so, making a pledge is one way to keep yourself real. Like me, you may have some questions about how Andrew Carnegie made his money. He was, after all, a man of his time. But he said, the man who dies rich dies disgraced. And he actually lived up to that. During his lifetime, he gave away more than $350 million. I haven't figured out what that would be in today's dollars, but it's a lot of money. His first public gift was in 1873 for Baths, for the little village of Dunfermline, Scotland, where he'd been born. He established the Carnegie Corporation of New York. He was a benefactor of Tuskegee Institute. He endowed nearly 1,700 libraries in the United States and Britain, and he donated funds for the Peace Palace at The Hague, what is now the International Court of Justice of the United Nations. Carnegie opened up the world for others, and that made his own life full and interesting. He understood what I think Zacchaeus understood. Money is a tool and not an end in itself, and we can use it in so many different ways. Some stupid, some selfish, some frivolous, some healing and some that are absolutely life-giving. And that choice is ours. But what we do with it will be the sign that hangs around our life and tells folk just how real we are. The final thing we can learn from Zacchaeus comes more from our imaginations than from the text, but kind of play with this. What's it like to be someone who gives away half of their possessions? What's it like to be someone who makes reparations for wrongs done? What would it be like to make the world different for people? You know, you may not have Carnegie's money, but let me tell you, you got more than most folk. So, what can you do? And what kind of difference can you make? Amen.